you have the right as your birthright as a child of the royalty, spiritual royalty, to ask if something is true or not. Anyone has that access. A five-year-old has it. A 50-year-old has it. So it's very important that when someone gives you input, you can ask God and say, is what this person is sharing true? Is this, is this going to add value to my life? Should I take this into my spirit or not? There's a false notion in our society. I'll take care of you if you take care of me. But the truth is, if we actually take care of ourselves first, only then can we change our life, change our homes, change our cities, our relationships, and eventually change the world. For those of you who appreciate the holistic lifestyle, you've come to the right place. Your host, Emmanuel Zavallos, is a certified emotion and body code practitioner and certified group energy facilitator. You are now listening to Healing the Healer podcast. This show is brought to you by Heal, the social media platform for those who love the holistic lifestyle. Are you tired of sharing holistic tips and getting banned or going to Facebook jail for sharing the truth? Are you tired of all the Facebook political drama? Tired of people who don't support energy healing growth? My wife Jess and I created a social media platform that was meant for people who love social media, communicating with like-minded people, and love learning hacks from other wellness practitioners. It's free to join www.haveempathyandlove.com. Plus, every week you have the option and choice to opt into a cutting-edge healing group where you get energy healing for seven days straight. Again, it's free to join www.haveempathyandlove.com. Hey everyone, this is Emmanuel here. Welcome to Healing the Healer podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Uh, I'm doing something very unique today. This is almost like a journal entry from my heart, um, something that I may be doing once a month just to kind of be able to share concepts that um, I've learned in the last few years, things that people have questioned me about, people have wondered or maybe wanted me to expound more on this. And um, it's uh, I want to speak more from the heart so you kind of know more who I am and how I'm helping people and just kind of the way I think about things. Because I feel like when you whenever you go into any sort of practice, um, you, you have to think different, you know? Um, I once read a book that it talks about, you know, poor people, rich people, and they say, what's the biggest difference between both of them? And it's the way they think and it's their language. And I, and I totally believe in that. But in, in our industry with wellness, um, we just see things differently. And when I talk to other practitioners, we can kind of, we just see eye to eye with many different things. And um, so I just want to share some concepts with you guys. First thing I want to share about is comparison. And comparison is is a very ugly disease, more pervasive than the uh, the C word here. That's a pandemic before us. But um, Jordan Peterson once said, you know, don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to the person you were yesterday. And I want to share you guys a story of like how I see people uh, when I meet them. And I think I either had a dream about this or this thought came into my head when I was in a conference and I've always shared it with others because I think it's really important. One of the biggest things that I did to myself that was a huge detriment to my growth was always comparing myself with other people, putting people on a pedestal higher than myself. 
And uh, it was a problem because I always had this sort of subservient, submissive sort of spirit about me where I felt like one day I'll get there. And it's one thing I want to share with you guys. Um, let's think about this. We all Let's pretend that before you were born, you were in this court, sort of like King Arthur's court. You know, it's like this big circular table that everyone used to come together to to unite as brotherhood and then to grow and, and, and be more of who they are, uh, more than who they are. And really the reality is, is that imagine we were all there and imagine it's more than a brotherhood. Imagine it's brotherhood and sisterhood. And we're all kind of progressing. We know why we're coming to earth. We've worked on our gifts and talents, but perhaps some of us volunteer to go ahead of us. And we decided to come later on in the earth. And maybe that person who came ahead of us told us, maybe I always picture the table that maybe the seats would regulate themselves so that we would see eye to eye with someone, that we wouldn't be taller than someone, smaller than someone. We all saw each other as equal. Maybe we didn't have, you know, regular clothing. Maybe we all had white clothing so that we can see each other as equals. And I kind of picture somebody in front of me saying, hey, uh, you're going to meet me around 19 years old, and um, I'm going to influence you to become more spiritual. And um, I'm not better than you. I'm not more spiritual than you. In fact, you could probably pass me up because that's what a good mentor does is try to have the student surpass the teacher. Um, But when you see me, just know that you have the same light inside of you. And that's something that I think about. If you are attracted to somebody uh, right now in regards to not in looks, but just like the way they are, the way they talk, the way they speak in front of people, the way they teach in books, it's supposed to wake up something in you. So if you're attracted to it, it means that there's they're waking up something that you probably should be waking up at this moment. It's not that they're better than you. Uh, it's not anything like that. They just decided to come to earth sooner or do the thing that you would do sooner than you. So we're all on the same track. Some of us are running ahead of you. Some of us are we're behind others. And so that's the way I look at it. And so when the next time you try to compare people, just say, no, that person's really great in something. But if I admire it, there must be something great in me. So that's something that I like to share with people. Uh, just not a big fan of comparison. They also say that it's the thief of joy. A lot of people have been asking me, how did I find my soulmate? So finding your soulmate is not like... First of all, I believe that soulmate means that someone who adds to your soul. Now, this this doesn't mean you get married to them. It could be, but it doesn't mean it's always the case. So we've probably had many different soulmates, people who have added value to our soul, but then one day you'll marry your best friend slash soulmate, and then you can live happily ever after. Um, and so previously, I was divorced twice, you know, and th- th- I'm very textbook. You know, the first divorce that I had was my mother passed away. I lost my mother figure. So I married anything close to me. Like it could have literally been anyone. I just married someone that was close to me, that was nice to me, that would have filled a hole in my heart at that time. That was my first marriage. Second marriage, it it was the mistake of, hey, I have to go... it's, it's good to get married quickly. And and just, you know, when you feel it, you feel it, you know, but what I've found out is that it's good to learn somebody about somebody for a period of time. You know, uh, I think it was, I'm trying to remember if it was what comedian it was, 
But there was a comedian that said that go on a on a jet airplane with your partner for a whole entire year, and if you still love them after a whole entire year, then go ahead and marry them. You'll see them in their ups and downs, and they're laughing and they're crying. But I don't even think that's a, a really great quote. I won't even if I were to dissect that quote even more, I would say um, that you have to see them rich or poor, happy or sad, depressed or angry. You have to see them in all different sides. No more facades. And then a year later, if you're like, I'm still holding your hand and I still love you unconditionally, then it's something to look into for marriage. And there was someone like Jess Zavios, who um, obviously I'm happily married now. Um, I had to work on myself. I had to go back to what I used to work with clients. So for example, one of the most classic things that people do not feel safe with is do you feel safe with love? If I were to muscle test you, muscle test your partner, um, do you feel safe with love is usually a no. So then I would ask, you know, what traumas are basically not allowing you to feel safe with love? And what's really key is once we get that to 100% or your body does believe it, um, then the second thing is, do you have a heart wall? Are you sending mixed messages to people? And uh, so guess what? I did have a heart wall. When I was divorced my second time and even my first time, I definitely had some heart walls that I built up. So it's kind of funny. The healer needed healing. So I worked on my heart wall. Worked on do I feel safe? And here's the ultimate um, session that I did for myself. I easily attract someone who's attracted to my higher self. So that one is a very powerful one because think about it. I don't want someone to be attracted to my current self because I'm still growing. I'm, I, don't, I don't even know who I am yet. I'm still trying to figure myself out. But your higher self is this almost elite version of yourself. It's almost like the version of you that doesn't have all these negative energies and that's who I could be. That's my potential. And I wanted other women to see me as my highest potential. Like, oh, look where he's headed. Or this is his potential. I'm attracted to that. And when I did those sessions within 45 days, or around close to 45 days, um, I found Jess. And uh, we went on a date, had Peruvian food, and the rest was history. So um, uh, if you, pa- you pass the Peruvian food test, you have to pa- you gotta make sure you can, you can eat Peruvian food especially since she's into American food and kind of not super open to these uh, uh, more exotic foods. But um, she was open to Peruvian food, and then um, it was just a great connection there. And I I removed her heart wall, and then we fell more in love, and it was a very powerful thing. Okay, so I want to share a story of uh, somebody that I worked on uh, who was 19 years old, and she had dyslexia. And, um, you know, most of those things, when you think of dyslexia, that symptom, you think there's no cure to it. And um, basically, Dr. Brad said we can go into it and find out, hey, what are the imbalances that are that are going on here? So I use the body code, and in the body code, it talks about spiritual to physical disconnection. So what that is, is, so like picture a heart, and let's say you're, um, you, there's a spiritual heart and a physical heart. So every organ and gland in your body has a spiritual and physical version, and it's sticking out from the physical, um, then that can cause problems with the heart and, and in the future can even cause a disease. But it's the same thing with parts of your brain, uh, temporal lobe, frontal lobe, occipital lobe. They have spiritual versions of it and physical versions. If the spiritual is sticking out, you can get sort of, you know, Alzheimer's, um, ADHD and different things like that. This lady had dyslexia. So I was working on her. I believe I worked on her heart wall already. And she finally brought up, hey, I'd love to work on my reading. And uh, I worked on her and it was, it was a beautiful thing. I think it was within one or two sessions. It was really, I mean, if you think about it, that's about 40 minutes of work. 
And I started uh, connecting different parts of her brain. So there's two types of disconnections, spiritual, physical, like I just mentioned, and there's physical to physical where two things are not talking. So isn't that interesting? Parts of your brain are communicating with each other. Uh, parts of your, your, your kidneys are communicating. Um, your ileocecal valve is communicating with your colon. Um, different heart valves are communicating with each other. If they're not talking, they could malfunction. So there were different parts of her brain that were not communicating. And I started fixing those. And it was really interesting is that most of her trauma came from her father abusing her as a child. And she would know the exact age when that happened. There was one time where he threw her in a closet and, you know, was very physical with her. Another time where she didn't go to church and she, he got very physical with her, ironically. Um, it's such a terrible p- a past, but she knew the certain ages where there were some very big blows. And basically I worked on her and she recognized the trauma that I was finding. And uh, that next day she could read for the first time and she couldn't believe it. She was like, I, I can't believe I can read now. And uh, she's like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. And <laughs> she was kind of having fun with it. She said, I'll read with, with very small type, you know, and she read a small type. Then she read the next day very tired. She's like, I'm going to purposely get really tired and I'm going to try to read it, you know, and she could still read. So uh, long-term results in the body code. So it's very, very powerful. Okay, so something I want to share real quick is web connections. And I call this web connections because right now, if you're listening to my voice, and you do not know what your mission is yet, which is, I believe that that's one of our things that we should be doing in this life is finding your your soul mission, um, is to find out that you're, there's probably some web connections happening. And if you were just to journal, like if you don't journal, I would start journaling now. I think I have over like 32, maybe like 29 journals at my house. And I would be writing down coincidences, you know, here and there, like, oh, that's a coincidence. But I would call, you know, basically it's God, but I would just say, you know, this is a coincidence here. And what's interesting is that if you look back, you have been groomed for something in the future. That's what a web connection is, is finding out where the grooming took place. For example, um, I was in a band, okay? What is the possibility of the band being called non-locality? Pretty slim. Like, that's first of all, that's not a good name for a band. <laughs> so that's the first thing. The second thing is non-locality is quantum physics. Non-locality is something happens here. The, something is also happening on this sphere, on this area here, which is really what I'm doing with clients all the time. I'm doing something here, but something is being affected over here. I mean, what I really do is, is that uh, quantum entanglement slash non-locality. And the ba- I think it was the bass player, the drummer, he was in studying quantum physics and he says, I got a great name, guys, non-locality. Little did I know that I would be working in that field later on. Here's another web connection. I had a uh, religious leader, a stake president for the church. He talked about my gift. You know, I believe in the gifts of the spirit. We all have these gifts, um, the gift of tongues, the gift of teaching, uh, the gift of knowing that Jesus is the Christ. We have all these different gifts. And our, our job is to kind of grow these. But it also says, if you look in that verse there that Paul's talking about in the New Testament, he talks about how there's divers gifts. And he doesn't go deep into that too much. He kind of like stays very vague about these divers gifts, these other gifts that are not mentioned in the usual ones that you read there. And um, I think the stake president had a lot of tenacity and told me what one of my gifts was while I was talking to him. And I didn't think he were going to go into this, but he says, hey, you know, you have a gift, right? And I said, a gift for what? And he says, a gift of non-judgment. I'm talking to you right now and I'm sharing things with you that I typically don't share with people. 
And I've, and I feel like it's because you have a spirit of non-judgment. And I looked at him and I said, I don't judge you. And I, I, I don't like judging people. I don't. Um, and it just comes naturally to me because I've, I, it's because I've been judged my whole life that I've learned to not judge. Uh, cause I know the pain that it causes. And, um, but the funny, ironic part was, guess where I was working at this very prestigious place called Verizon Wireless. So in your mind, you're thinking, there's no reason this gift would serve me where I'm at at Verizon. But maybe in the future, there'll be a web connection. Okay, here's another one. Um, in direct sales, you know, you work from home. There's recruiting. There's, there's coaching. Guess what I didn't like? Recruiting. Guess what I enjoyed? Coaching. So I enjoyed one-on-one meeting with people and hearing about their dreams. Guess what I do in uh, emotion code, body code sessions? I ask them about their dreams. I say, hey, what do you, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go from here? Um, and here's my last one too. My mother was a wellness practitioner. She was, she was an oncologist, but she was also studying uh, Eastern medicine. And she was doing acupuncture on me. So, you know, I was, you know, completely naked on the bed, practicing on me, you know. And I thought that was kind of strange when I was young. Now that I look back, I wish she would have done a thousand more acupuncture sessions on me. Um, so this is really interesting. So I just want you guys to know that there are certain things. Think about right now what you're attracted to. Think about in your past what you would lose track of time in. Something that you would you would just kind of, you could do it forever. But you're not in that place right now. Of whatever you're doing, your main career has nothing to do with that. But I'm telling you, there's something in the future for you or there's something that maybe is knocking on your door that has a combination of everything that you truly, truly enjoy. And it's your job to find the web connection. So if you write a journal, it's the best way to find them. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this concept called call to not eat, okay? Um, so what does this mean? There's a scripture in John chapter 4, verse 31 to 34, and uh, the disciples are around Jesus, and there's this really interesting part where he says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, which means teacher, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? And then his, his answer is really, really interesting, and I really could relate to it. He says, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So what he's saying, he's like, what you, I know you guys are physically hungry, but I actually could, could not eat for a while as long as I'm spiritually fed. And, and this is probably a new concept to them because he's like, we're all hungry here. Like, did you see Jesus eat? Did you see Jesus eat? Like, we got to take care of this guy. And he's like, I'm not even thinking about food, guys. I'm just thinking about preaching the gospel. And that's my food. That's how I'm eating. And it's like, I'm not even thinking about food. So that is also kind of a, to piggyback off the last thing that I talked about is, do you have something in your life that you like you forget to eat sometimes? Um, if not, then you're probably not in your passion. And this may hurt you. Like if you hear my voice right now and this is like, no, I, I like my job, but I like to eat too. It's like, no, but I always ask people this, would you do your job if you didn't get paid for it? And here's my answer to everyone that's ever talked to me before is I would do my job. As long as you gave me a box and I had a little sandwich, peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day, and my kids were taken care of um, in some way or another, even like menial stuff, I would actually keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, I don't want to put them in danger. If I was by myself and I was single 
and I could just I could I could live on uh, welfare, but I'm doing a motion code body code. I would do it because it's. But if it was illegal to do a motion code body code in a country, but they would still provide me with welfare, I would do it. Hands down, I wouldn't look for another career. I would say I'm staying here and I'm going to help lots of people. And I guess I've chosen uh, this profession. Um, I've noticed that professions do choose you. Dreams do choose you. Um, there are certain promises we made to ourselves uh, before we came on earth. And there will be moments where it'll become very obvious that this is what you need to do. And one of the great questions to ask yourself is, would you do it without pay? And um, the answer is yes. I met a lot of people who said they're like over something. You've probably met some people that in their life, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I had this boyfriend or I had this girlfriend and I- I'm over it. I'm, I'm done with it. Um, what's interesting is you're maybe consciously done with it. But the question I like to ask myself as a practitioner is, is your, is your body really over it? Have you buried, you've buried the hatchet consciously, but you didn't bury the hatchet subconsciously. And that's an issue. Uh, and I want to share with you kind of a, a story of like the power behind the word attunement. This is a word that you want to remember. And here's a quote you want to remember too. It says that everything that's wrong with your life is just an energetic misalignment. So I'll say it again. Everything that's wrong with your life is just an energetic misalignment. What do I mean? Is that your body has the ability to do mathematics. So for example, you say some, you say a statement and you can see how much your body believes in that statement. So for, for example, I could say, I'm a very confident man. My body says, well, 32%, 32. what? If you want to be nerdy about it, 32.6, okay, 32.6 what? 32.67, okay, 32.67 what? 32.672. So you can go to the hundredth decimal point to your body, uh, according to your body, and we can go to the thousandth. Because your body does mathematics. Everything, if you think about how the body works and like how complex a cell is, like a cell is so complex, it's almost like a, um, I would say like an air, it's an, it's an air carrier, like like in the military, like, you know, that when they carry those those airplanes with a bunch of tanks and everything in it, there's like thousands of, you know, a couple hundred people there and all these different tools and, and machinery and everything like that. That's like one cell. So can you only imagine like what really your body is doing? It's like a universe in there. And you can ask questions. You can ask, how much do you believe in something? So I can say, how much peace do I have with my mother passing away? Consciously, I might be like, well, she's in a better place. And maybe religion assisted you out with that. That's great. But what if subconsciously it produced some energies that's causing some issues in your relationships, that's causing issues in your work, that's causing issues with your dreams, um, then you need to look into it. And let's say it was like 36%. You use the body code and get it to 100% and your body will find peace with it. I even go way out of my way. And I tell my client, I'm like, look, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to be a masochist, but two days from now when you're done processing, I need you to think about that specific trauma for, the, for five minutes, for 10 minutes and see how you feel. And what's going to happen is those energies that were created during that huge trauma are not going to pop like little kernels in the body. Um, they're not going to be able to uh, feel anything. They feel there's just this amount of peace and joy and happiness that they've never felt before. So this happened. I want to give you guys an example uh, with this lady that she, unfortunately, her friend and her business that she works for, a company she works for, was murdered by her husband. Then she had a child uh, she had this uh, baby that was 
in a car. And I think she was either one of those people who move cars, like, you know, teachers that like kind of participate and kind of move cars around. Um, some kid died. Uh, some baby died in a car, in a car accident around the school. It was very traumatic for her. And she went completely black and she did not go on Facebook. Like, like what I mean by black is she does videos all the time and all of a sudden shut off. Every, she was completely shut off from the world, did not want to communicate with anybody. And when I, I used to see people on Zoom, uh, I did not do it over the phone. And I saw her on Zoom and she was like shaking, like her hands were just trembling. Like, oh, like I've had a really bad week. Tell me what happened. Like, oh, this, this baby passed away and, and, and I just found out that my friend was murdered by, by her husband. Oh, this, you know, and she's just not doing well. I said, I said, so sorry to hear that happen to you. Um, let's ask your body how much peace you have with that. And we did that with her friend passing away or getting murdered and then also the baby. And literally the next day she was on Facebook posting quotes. She made a video two days afterwards. She was back on the grind again because we were meant to swim perhaps in grief, but we were not meant to drown in grief. And a lot of people, because we have inherited emotions, we've absorbed stuff, we've we've experienced other forms of grief before this big grief came, it, does, it doesn't allow us to tread anymore. Now we're just drowning in grief and it's not helping us out. So there's two ways to find your identity. So you can go on a search yourself. This is my opinion. Again, you can dispute it. Obviously, everyone has the right to dispute their opinions, but um, you can either go find it yourself or you can read the Bible or other spiritual scriptures and see how God already knows who you are. So like there's a scripture that says, before you were born, I knew thee. And um, how, how is that possible? You know, a, what, what God's talking about is that we had a spiritual life before our physical life. So if there's anybody that would know us to our core, it would be a parental celestial figure, not some mentor off in Arkansas that thinks they know you. And I think a lot of us, we, we go to people and we, you know, we try to get our information from them and then we literally see it as gold, but we don't really ask above and like say, is that true? Is this... Because the Holy Ghost is is available to everyone, like um, just moments of it, just like a like a flashlight on you. It just this is truth. This is not truth. It's just a little flashlight. There are some though. There are some of those people who kind of have the Holy Ghost with them, but there's other people that just have glimpses of it. The whole world has access to glimpses of it. So you have the right as your birthright, as a child of the royalty, spiritual royalty to ask if something is true or not. Anyone has that access. A five-year-old has it. A 50-year-old has it. So it's very important that when someone gives you input, you can ask God and say, is what this person is sharing true? Is this, is this going to add value to my life? Should I take this into my spirit or not? And God will give you an answer in one way or another. It'll come through another book. It'll come through a friend. It'll come through your through uh, cognizance. Maybe you just know in your mind that's what it is. Uh, it could come through your intuition. A lot of different ways it can come in, but I think that's the that's the the problem with this world is I feel like sometimes we don't have the discernment to take something as a grain of sand or how to treat something like gold. We we don't have that discernment. 
because we don't ask a better source. And the better source is to ask God directly. In fact, I'll share with you, um, this is not in my my notes here, but I'll share with you one of my favorite verses um, in, in the Bible. And this kind of, it's so overlooked, like this conversation. It's like nobody talks about this, these verses. It's like, yeah, great. They're talking about who Jesus was, but like, who cares? Like, you know, it's like, no, but it really has a huge teaching in it. Like it's huge. And I, I think if, if you don't think these verses are important, then maybe you haven't taken that journey to ask if something is true or not. But one of the things that it was, was the, uh, all the disciples were around Jesus and they said, um, Jesus wanted to ask them, who do people say that I am? And uh, everyone had different answers. Someone said, you're John the Baptist, uh, come back from the dead. John was his cousin who got beheaded by Herod. And they thought, okay, maybe he's back from the dead and that this is him. Uh, or you're Elijah. You know, Elijah, for example, uh, he was a great prophet that was on a, like this fiery chariot with horses and just took off, <laughs> just left everybody. So they're like, are you Elijah come back? You know, you know, and so he said, no. Well, he didn't say no. He just didn't answer. And then he asked Peter, you know, you know, who do you say that I am? And he had a powerful answer. He says, you are Jesus Christ, like the son of the living God. And, you know, he basically knew his role. Like he's like the, the savior of the world. And what Jesus said to him was so powerful. He said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not told you this, but my Father which is in heaven, and upon this rock I will build my church. So this is key what he said, flesh and blood hath not told you this, but my Father which is in heaven. So blessed are you for that. So you're not blessed if you just find flesh and blood telling you this could include your parents. This could include... uh, you know, people that are that your mentors, that's flesh and blood. He didn't say those people who listen to flesh and blood are blessed. He said, you went directly to the father and confirmed it. So blessed are you who went to the father. So that's something that I, I if I could go back in time and talk to my child self, I'll be like, there is something that you need. You need discernment. You need to know when it takes something as a grain of sand and you need to take something, you need to like learn how to like decir- decipher if this is gold. And the way you do that is through the Holy Ghost that is liberal to all, that everyone in the world, doesn't matter what religion you are, you have access to that Holy Ghost that can give you a glimpse of truth. And it's like a flashlight that will tell you, yes, this is true. Continue moving forward. Okay. So one of these times I, this is kind of a a sad story, but um, I was working with a child once and this child had, I don't know how to explain it, just a really bad attitude, very negative, very depressed. You know, we, we, maybe you're a mother or father and, and you've, you have your child is that depressed one angry all the time, rambunctious against authority. And this mother was just like, really just, we've tried everything. We've five years of all this work and nothing. And so they came to me. I, I usually get the cl- the clients that are like, they're burnt out. Like we, you're our last hope. We don't know what to do. And I just said, great. I want to work with him. Something that was very, very fascinating is I found multiple heart walls. So trauma around the heart. So trapped emotions that cover the heart uh, in the trimester time. It was like second trimester, third trimester, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester. And it was like, wow, we were really stuck here. I didn't see it all in one session, but multiple sessions, it was like trimester, trimester. So I had to ask the mother and I was like, hey, what happened? 
uh, during the time where he was in your womb. And then she reminded me, she says, I'm not, her, I'm not his mother. Uh, he's adopted. I'm like, tell me more about the mother. And she said, oh, she was a meth addict who her husband used to beat her up physically when she was pregnant with him. So I was like, wow, okay, this mother was getting so much trauma uh, that that baby was just absorbing all these emotions. And so she had, he had, he was covering his heart over and over and over again. By the time he came out, he was born with like a bomb shelter. Like he couldn't feel anything completely numb. And I worked on it. I worked on his heart wall and it was the most beautiful thing. He, it was like a while where nothing, we didn't see, notice any differences, but then all of a sudden started showing up. This one cool thing happened where he was at church and his head was kind of down. He like, didn't want to be there. You know, he looked tired and she was just rubbing his back, just rubbing his back, you know, like a mother would do. And he got mad. He's like, mom, get off me. You know, and she said, oh, I just, I just, you know, I feel bad. It seems like you're really tired. And he said, sorry for the first time. He said, sorry, mom, I, I didn't mean to do that. Sorry, I just, I just had a really late night. And her, her ears were like, wait, you said sorry? This guy doesn't, this guy does not call sorry. He called CPS on them and tried to get them in trouble, but he does not say sorry. So for the first time, he started feeling empathy. If you have a heart wall, there is no empathy. You don't feel for people. Um, I feel my theory is, is that narcissists have huge heart walls, a lot of trauma going on and they can't feel when other people feel, but there's more than that. Narcissist, that's a whole nother seminar, but I just found it very interesting with this child is that, is that you can get these heart walls in the womb and we wonder why our children are so the way they are. It has to do with early programming. I want to talk about the, the medical system. Okay. Where do I start? Uh, so my parents were both oncologists, hematologists, and so I've seen I've seen their offices. I see how you know doctors work, and they invited me a, a couple of times. Um, but I had a very very close friend of mine uh, who was attacked, and he he kind of mentioned it here uh, on the podcast. Maybe maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Um, anyway, he was attacked by a very popular hospital. I won't name it what it is in Utah for not doing enough C-sections and doing normal pregnancies. And he was attacked. They tried to shut his office down because he knew better that these people did not need C-sections. So here's the thing. Do hospitals make more money if they do C-sections? And the answer is yes, they do. And just the same thing with doctors. If they would rather remove a gallbladder than find out what the underlying imbalances in the body code because they don't have that system. They're not taught the body code to find out, hey, we can probably repair the gallbladder if 80% of it is emotional issues. No, they say, well, how do we really make money? Well, we just have a gallbladder surgery. We can remove the kidney. We remove this. And so a lot of things that they're removing, they're making a lot of money off of, and maybe you didn't have to get rid of it. And don't even get me started on gallbladder forums, Facebook forums. They're everywhere. People who can't lose weight anymore and uh, people who are having health issues. Uh, they have to take ox bile to now compensate for the fact that their digestive system doesn't work anymore. Now they have symptoms of IBS now. See, the doctor didn't tell them that, did they? They just said, hey, we're going to have a surgery here. The pain will stop. So don't you want the pain to stop? Oh, yeah, I want the pain to stop. Okay, great. But forget about the two pages of subtitles that's about to happen to you if you don't have a gallbladder. 
And so that's just interesting how like uh, with this friend of mine that, uh, you know, they're trying to shut him down. And uh, um, all these organs and glands are essential for us. You know, so if you're having an issue with an organ or gland, they're, they're, a body code practitioner can work on it and can help you out and maybe save it that you don't have to. I'll, I'll just share with you guys this one story. I had a client's mother. Uh, she went to the emergency room because she was having heart issues. She like having heart palpitations and uh, she had COVID very bad time to have heart issues during the pandemic. And she, they said that we took a, we took an x-ray of you and we're going to have to do a surgery. There's some valve. There's some like hole in one of your valves. And, um, I almost considered a miracle in some way or another, but She's like, can you work on her? And she gave me permission. She like texts me or she emailed me and says, you have my permission. I didn't even meet with her. But I did a session. I worked on her heart. And there was a couple of things that were off in the heart, some spiritual, physical disconnections, some physical to physical disconnections. We two parts of the heart are not communicating. And it was crazy. They did an x-ray on her two days later before the surgery. They said, we can't find anything wrong with your heart. Your heart's totally fine. Like, and they were just totally confused. Like we, this makes no sense. We just saw something else in the last x-ray. And then she said, oh, it was my energy healer. Yeah, my 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 son-in-law recommended this energy healer, and they probably rolled their eyes. But um, but yeah, so she got out of the hospital, and she recovered from this horrible COVID symptoms um, within two days, and she was out, and she was doing fine. So I got to meet her finally uh, just recently, probably like a, a year ago, year and a half ago. I got to meet her in person, and uh, she was like so grateful. And she reminded me, she says, do you remember me? Like I was in the emergency room, and I was like, you know, I, I just meet with so many people that I just, I didn't recognize her. And I was like, oh, like, how's your heart doing? <laughs> you know, so, um, but yeah, you, you, the the impossible is in, in the medical world is based on people who choose to be ignorant about the wellness industry, in my opinion. It's because they find no money there. So they say, we have to stick with what I've been trained, my regimen, uh, so I can exploit it's really a, a form of ex- exploitation uh, of the body and it's not fair and it's not right and people should not do that this is your brother this is your sister your brother and sister and god don't do that and uh, that's why i feel like wellness is coming back because we could have salvaged all those gallbladders you know salvaged all those organs and glands but because people were greedy because of greed uh, good wellness doctors like my friend were getting fired from their job so it's something that I feel like should end. Let's talk about empaths, okay? So if you're an empath, then you're somebody who feels too much uh, from people. You feel too much energy. Um, you tend to attract narcissists into your life so or you've had a narcissistic relationship before, but you're very sensitive. It's almost you take on other people's energies. And there's, I really do believe that empaths do exist, um, even though to this day they, they want to scientifically debunk it, like you can't be an empath. It's just a very... Um, new age uh, word that was created. Um, But I know a lot of them, my wife being one of them, and they have very similar symptoms. So, But here's what's interesting is that uh, you might notice that a lot of empaths don't have gallbladders. Kind of an interesting thing, right? Well, let's look at it. We have to think about, uh, let's talk about Dana Reeve. So Dana Reeve, who is she? She is the wife of Christopher Reeve who was, in my opinion, the greatest Superman of all time, but everyone could debate with me later on about this, but one of the greatest Supermans of all time. And um, he became a paraplegic. She died of lung cancer. 
And what does the lung produce is grief. So if, if you are grieving a lot, you're producing these trapped emotions around your lung and then you, she got disease and then she died of cancer. There's no one that smoked cigarettes around her. She didn't have a cigarette history. She didn't have any, uh, any people in her generational line who suffered from lung cancer. The question is on the Western world, which they don't have the answer is why'd she have lung cancer? And the answer is because she grieved a lot. And the emotion that comes from the lung uh, is grief, one of the emotions. So let's talk about the gallbladder. The question is, why is the gallbladder gone in the empath? Well, let's look at it. Anger, these are these are the emotions. Anger, bitterness, guilt, hatred, resentment, depression, frustration, indecisiveness, panic. Yeah, those are all the ones there. So so now I want to go kind of deeper into that. I kind of I kind of like summed up like why you would feel these um anger would an empath really have anger no i'm going to assume that this isn't the anger of the empath this is the absorbed anger from the narcissist that is affecting their gallbladder bitterness that's the empath the empath feeling bitter about how they're being treated guilt that's a common trait that narcissists try to inflict on people is try to make you feel guilt, like a shame on you, shame on you, guilt on you. And the empath is so feely that she feels guilt. Uh, or you might feel guilt because um, you decided to start a project. Your narcissist partner is a project for you. And you constantly think if I leave him, I, maybe I could have changed him if I just stayed a little bit longer. What do you produce? Guilt. Also, hatred. Now, why would you have hatred? An empath, really? My wife? No, it's not hatred for someone else. It's hatred of maybe how they treat you. Or maybe it's hatred of yourself for forgiving someone over and over again. Could be. Resentment, that's another one. How they treat you, right? Depression. How about, uh, there's a book called Lost Connections and talks about how depression and anxiety go together. Do you feel depression because you feel anxiety when you have conversations with your narcissist partner? Absolutely. And anxiety and depression are like, are like siblings. So if you feel anxiety, you don't know why, you get depression. If you feel depression, you don't know why, you might get anxiety. They're kind of like brothers and sisters there. So depression is one of them. The last one's panic. If there was a huge blow up in this narcissist relationship, you probably panicked. So you could see if you feel enough of those emotions over and over again for years, um, you will have your gallbladder removed because that's what the doctors think that you need to do. But what you really need is you need a body code session to remove these energies, you know? And also my wife came in here recently and she provided an inner voice scan uh, for my buddy Blake here, uh, who has um, who is a retired Marine. And, and, and uh, what's interesting is that if we can train your body to listen to this meditation that kind of recalibrates you and, and sets you back to emotional homeostasis, then you're teaching your gallbladder not to feel those emotions. It doesn't mean you should, you should like tolerate what the narcissist is doing to you, but definitely it'll help you regulate your emotions quicker. So maybe you won't produce a trapped emotion in the future and you could save your gallbladder. So I wanted to share that for those of you who are empath and you're having gallbladder issues, there's still hope for you. You can still heal it. And, and see what's wrong with it. Don't take it out, you know, just because doctors say so, because you're going to suffer. 
and it's not fair for you. It's not fair that they don't tell you all the repercussions before they create a surgery on you, and it's not fair. And again, I know a lot of people who don't have their gallbladders, and they're not doing well. So, uh, but it's just sad that empaths have to deal with that. But just be very familiar. If you go to the emotion code chart, go look at go look at which organ produces what. Heart can produce depression, anxiety. So if you have heart issues, you might feel depression, anxiety. See what emotions you typically feel. I guarantee that that organ or gland is not doing well. In times of war, there's a really great quote by Winston Churchill. He said, in times of war, truth is so precious that she'll be well attended by a bodyguard of liars. And here's what I want to share is that sometimes when you when you get new information that could have been helpful to you, one of the first reactions you'll have is I have resentment towards that. Um, It happens with, um, you know, even in my church, for example, uh, sometimes you or you're taught a certain way. It's very milky, you know, Um, the culture teaches something, but then when you dive a little deeper you might find like, well, where was this? And what about this? What about this? You know, now you're getting to the meat of stuff. You might have resentment to say, why didn't you teach me that at first? And my answer to that is that a lot of us aren't ready for the meat um, because meat's very sacred. It's it's it, it takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of revelation. It takes a lot of meditation. It takes time. Uh, sacred things aren't, aren't to be taken lightly. You have to look at it, ponder it, come with the right heart, fast on it. And most most people, even I've done it myself, is it'll slip through my fingers because it's just, I'm not ready for it yet. So I have to kind of like put it on a shelf. I call it put it on a shelf. Anything that's too deep for you or like, whoa, I don't know about that. You know, It just means that you're not ready for it yet and just put it on a shelf and from time to time, take it off the shelf and ponder about it. And I'm telling you, it'll have a deeper meaning. There's things that I'm realizing now more in a better perspective than I did 10 years ago, easily. And it's because I didn't discount something that was that was kind of too meaty for me. I was like, this is too much. I just decided that this has added value to someone in their lives. It might add value to me in my life, but just not yet. And if I just wait long enough and I ponder about it and pray about it, over time, this will make sense to me. But most people don't give themselves that time to really analyze something and to really think about it. Um, so that's, I want to share that with you guys, because even with energy healing, you might have resentment towards the, to God to say, why did, why did you take so long to get to me? Like what, what took you so long? Seriously, I'm 50 years old. Been divorced twice. I've, you know, look at all my ailments I have. Look at all my physical issues I have. And you, you, you believe you're a loving God. You're going to give me energy healing now. You know, I wish I had the answer for that. But one of the answers that I would suggest to think about would be some of us wouldn't appreciate it, the gift, unless we were really hurting. Like if we were having a good time, life was good energy healing was offered to you, you might not even look at it. You might just go, eh, what's this? But because you've had trials and you've had all these different things, here's the crazy part that I want to share with you. If you've had trials 
and you're 50, 60 years old and you find energy medicine, yeah, someone is definitely thinking about you up there. Why? Because you don't go, when you go into energy medicine, you don't go back to how you were before, who you could have been at 25 or 35. You go beyond that. In fact, it's so not worldly renowned yet that you're actually kind of the elite. For example, heart walls, like basically like 80 to 85% of people have a heart wall. So you get your heart wall cleared. You're 50 years old. You're in Australia and you're not happy with the fact that you're one of the 15% in the whole entire world that doesn't live in a energetic barrier bomb shelter and you can enjoy life more, follow your mission, follow your passion. I don't care how long it takes. Some of the greatest people that we look, we don't, I don't know if we look up to, but people that, that uh, are, were very successful, Colonel Sanders, all these, you know, guy did Kentucky fried chicken or all these different people. They, they actually followed their mission at age 60. It actually very, very late in their life. They found their calling and they ran with it. Heart wall or no heart wall. You actually had the benefit that someone was nice enough to tell you about something to help you have peace the rest of your life and to really enjoy more than anyone's ever enjoyed it uh, probably in this lifetime. So I think it's a gift. Don't hold resentment to the giver. Don't hold resentment to the deliverer. Don't do it. There's no reason to. Just be grateful. Just be grateful that somehow God, I'm grateful. When I, when I tell kids, I work on a 23-year-old and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm excited about this heart wall. I'm like, I'm very grateful that you're grateful. I'm very happy that you see the value in this at 23. Where was I at 23? Lost. <laughs> totally lost at 23. Are you kidding me? Uh, 23, I was not, I wouldn't want to even hang out with myself at 23. Um, so there's a reason why it came in your life and just cherish it. Take advantage of it and really just consider it like a pearl of great price for yourself. Big Pharma, let's talk about it. Big Pharma, it's crazy. They're they're not only going after humans and us, like, you know, like, and I can even say babies. Uh, they're going after babies because they're obviously trying to provide vaccines that have a bunch of adjuvants in it, aluminum, heavy metals. Uh, it's not a secret. If you really research vaccines, they have these heavy metals in them. Cause I know, you know how I know that because I work with them. Um, I would say most people that have autism have high, high amounts of vac, uh, vaccination toxicity and heavy metals Then you talk about older adults who have ADHD or different things like that. I will always find heavy metal in them. Either too much mercury, too much, um, cadmium, something is too high. And I have to muscle test. Where did this come from? And there, lo and behold, vaccine toxicity. And I don't know if you know this, but heavy metals will actually stay in your body your whole entire life unless you actually take some sort of detoxifier, like an oral collation to remove it. So when I meet people, I tell people like, you know, Big Pharma doesn't have our best intentions. You have to follow the money. Uh, even if you go, go ahead and Google this thing called Merck, M-E-R-K, uh, just recently launched a program called Creating Connections. And what's that about? Do you guys want to know? It's about drugging cows so they're more submissive less emotional so when they're when their little calves little babies turn into future veal um when they they'll process through the whole meat situation and become basically mentally numb that's what that's what they're trying to do so and they think of it like they're we're doing a favor for nature it's like hey guys isn't this 
And wouldn't that be easier for you to take care of a cow that's mentally numb? It's easier. You know, it's like they won't fight you. There's no, there's no rebuttal. It's just, you know, it's very easy to put them through the machinery. Like, give me a break. We don't, we don't need cows to be mentally numb. Um, something that kind of reminds me about this is, um, is lobotomy. Like, you know, like if you think about the history of lobotomy, go ahead and Google lobotomy. It's like the most grotesque thing I've ever seen with like 0% success rate. And it still happens today. In fact, I'm going to keep this anonymous, but I know a pretty famous holistic doctor. I won't mention his name, but let's just say that you might think, oh yeah, lobotomy, that's a thing of the past. People, people don't do that anymore. It's not true. Yeah, they, they do it. My, my friend, um, my friend's wife, he's a very, very famous doctor. He, they actually did a court order where he, um, it was not a court order. It was like almost like a court situation, a court trial, but they didn't invite him to it. He couldn't even defend himself. It's like a, he's like absentee in the court trial. And they basically sent him to jail as someone who was, because he was a wellness doctor, they sent him to jail as someone who's dangerous to society. And on top of that, they, uh, in that court trial that he wasn't in to defend himself, they mandated him to go to a different state to get a lobotomy. And his wife was telling me about that phone call, which can you even imagine this phone call of your husband or your wife calling you saying, Hey, you know, the state thinks I'm a, I'm a threat to society. I'm just trying to help people, but Hey, it's just a lobotomy. I'm probably going to have no emotions anymore with you. I hope you stay with me. I hope you can stay married. Like that conversation happened in Utah within the last decade. So just like, you know, there are things happening around us that we're not well aware of that, you know, when goodness is trying to fight and help people, like with the wellness industry is trying to help out, there's evil out there trying to do things that um, are not right or just not right, you know? And so I pray over all my wellness practitioners to keep doing what you're doing, to help people and to never stop doing what you're doing. Don't be threatened. There was a miracle that happened to that friend, by the way. Um, I'm not going to go into that. But there was a there's a miracle that made him somehow survive today. There's no way to explain it but a miracle. That's all I have to say. There's a miracle that happened. You can't plan what happened to him, that he's somehow alive. But I just want to share with you that we have to stick by our guns. What is right is right. What is truth is truth. And you have to defend it with everything you have. And uh, it's not right. You just just be aware of the agenda of people trying to take down what is right and what is true.